0: everybody that just helped. It was fantastic, and we look forward to seeing what, when the next one will happen and how we can be a part of even more things. So we're, we're diving into God's Word this weekend, and uh, I want to start this way by thinking about some of the greatest rivalries of all time. So like if we go kind of into uh, TV world or movie world, you know, of course, I mean, an all-time rivalry, right? Tom and Jerry, um, you know, for those of us that watch this every Saturday morning growing up, or, or uh, man, yeah, Seinfeld and Newman, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, So so, so, many, so many rivalries in the TV world, or, oh, yeah, of course, Jim and Dwight, right? Um, just always like back and forth at each other, right? Just these ongoing rivalries or step into the the world of sports, right? Oh yeah, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. uh, Horrible, horrible rivalries, right? I mean, going to crazy extremes to take the other out or Larry Bird and Magic Johnson like that's a, a rivalry of, of of all time or you think about the the Williams sister Venus and Serena and I mean how many times have they gone head to head against one another what a rivalry a sister rivalry and then I mean you can't mention right I mean like rivalries battles wars right <laughs> without thinking about the Ohio State University and, yeah, that other place, right? U of M, right? But what if I I told you that there is an even greater rivalry, a greater battle, a greater war that's going on that, that you won't see on the TV screens, that you won't see in a sports arena? It's a rivalry that's going on right inside of every single one of us. It's it's the rivalry that the the Bible describes as this ongoing battle between our flesh, like what we want, our selfish, often sinful nature, and the Spirit's desire, God's Spirit at work in us. And the Bible describes this as a battle, as as a war, as a as a great and grand rivalry that's going on in the heart and life of every follower of Jesus. And we've been studying the book of Galatians, and as we step into Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, who's writing this letter to a group of believers, he takes us into this battle and describes it for us. And so our key text of the morning is Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. And this is what it says. Paul writes, "...the sinful nature..." wants us to do evil, which is just the opposite, he says, of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are, in, uh, that are uh, the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. And he says, and these two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you're not free to carry out your good intentions. It's why do I do the things that I do, right? And we'll look at more of what Paul had to say about this internal war, this internal battle. But in Galatians chapter 5, if if we've ever wondered like, well, what do we do with this battle? I feel it, right? We feel it, you feel it on a day-to-day basis, sometimes on a moment-to-moment basis. So what do we do with this war that's raging inside of all of us? And how do we win the battle? How do we win the war? And I think In the text, Paul's going to give us three things, three steps that we can take that they aren't the answer to everything, but they're steps in the right direction that will help us win the battle, wage the war appropriately. And the first thing that he talks about is letting the Spirit guide our lives, letting the Spirit lead our lives. In fact, we'll go now to a few verses before where Paul says, "'So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives.'" The, the The imagery here is that of a, a kind of a, like a a military might uh, and, and falling into line under the command of, of a captain of a sergeant and and then stepping forward into the battle and keeping in step with your leader. It's not going at life the way that we want or the way that we think it's It's letting someone else take the lead and being willing to follow, to keep in step. In fact, some some versions of the Bible here say, uh, keep in step with the Spirit. I was in a marching band throughout high school, and then when our son was a freshman and he entered, I mean, he was so excited to move from, you know, just standing and playing to, ooh, now we're marching. But he didn't realize, like, the, the battle that that was going to be like. You know, he's got to keep beat on his drums, and yet you got to keep beat with your feet, right? It's not an easy task. And the same thing happens in our lives, in our spiritual journey. If we want to keep in step with so much noise, with so much going on in our lives, with so much going on in our surroundings, it will be a battle to let the Spirit lead our lives, to, to stay in step with God's Spirit. And Paul says this is so, so important, he says, because if we let the Spirit guide our lives, he then says, then we won't be doing what our sinful nature craves. Now, all of us, we have a a selfish, sinful nature. Like, we think things that we're like, what in the heck am I thinking? Sometimes we do things that we say, what in the heck was I doing? Things that we know deep down are, are, are wrong Because of the moral compass that God has put in our lives because we're created in the image of God, a God who is full of love and grace and truth and mercy. And so then when we think or we act the opposite of that, yeah, some of us might be like, well, what is that and why am I doing that? And there's this battle. Remember, Paul said we're not free to carry out the good intentions that we may even have because there's this war, there's this pull and probably if, if you're like me, there's been things in your life that you're like, man, I got to stop that, or I got to get over that, or I got to get past that, right? And, and so then we, we, just, we just put our nose to the grind and we just try hard, right? <laughs> and how does that work out for us? It doesn't really. Like, there's just some things, and, and as strong as you are and as strong as I can be at times, there's just some things we're not strong enough to beat. To overcome in our lives. It's, it's part of our, our human condition and it's part of the, the sinfulness of our own hearts that will lead us astray so many times. And so if we just try to you know muster up and pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and put our nose to the grind and just do better, that's not how we're going to fix it. This is why Paul says, the way listen, if if we want to stop giving into our our sinful nature. It's only going to happen when we let somebody else take the lead of our lives. It's, it's, our life is like a vacuum, and we can't just get, try to get rid of the negative. Something's going to fill it. Something, it's, it's, it's our Bob Dylan song, right, from last weekend? You got to serve somebody, right? You, you got to follow somebody. All of us do. The question is, who are we going to follow? Who are we going to take, let take the lead in our lives? And Paul says, if, if we want to quit uh, giving into the wrong desires of our hearts and minds, it's going to mean letting the Spirit lead us, letting the Spirit guide us. Because the, the two can't coexist. The two can't happen at the same time. We can't, we can't please God and just please our own sinful nature at the same time right? Uh, we, We can't submit to the Spirit and gratify our sinful nature at the same time. We can't pray and look at pornography at the same time. We can't love others and then rage with anger at the very same time. Not at the same time, maybe at different times, but not at the same time. And so the question is always, well, what are we doing in this very moment? Who's got the reins of our lives? Who's leading our lives. Who are we following after? We, we can't, in humility, serve our spouse and be abusive at the same time. It's going to either be our own sinful, selfish nature coming out and leading and ruling, or it's going to be God's Spirit leading and ruling our lives. That's why Paul, again, in, in verse 17, he enunciates this war, this battle that's going on, and we, have to, we need to take it more seriously. I need to take it more seriously. Paul says, our sinful nature, it wants to do evil, which is the exact opposite of what the Spirit wants, and, and vice versa, and then again, he alludes to this war, again, it's constantly fighting each other, so we, it's a fight, it's a rivalry, it's a battle. I remember in eighth grade, I decided, I was really, I mean, I was really small and puny. Um, I I was five foot tall and I weighed 85 pounds, eighth grader. And uh, I mean, so I was not built for, for football or for basketball. And then I found out that in wrestling, you go up against guys that are your same size. I'm like, now that's the sport for me. I'm pretty scrappy, you know. And so eighth grade, I decided, of course, I didn't realize like all these kids had been in peewee wrestling since they were like five years, three years old, I swear. Like they knew everything. So as an eighth grader, I was a complete novice. But I was 85 pounds, and that was that was working to my advantage because there honestly there weren't a lot of 85 pounders to even go up against. I'll talk about that later, but but uh, there was one guy. His name was Scotty Mabry, and Scotty had been in—he had been in wrestling all his life. You know, his dad was like a coach and always there. And, you know, and 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 Scotty and I—we were the same weight. I'm like, man. And 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 he was surprised at, at how I was growing, and I was I was improving, and I was getting better and better. And and uh, but I mean, literally, you know, eighth grade, eighty-five pounds, uh, freshman, one hundred three, uh, sophomore, one hundred twelve. Junior, 119, then I hurt my back between my junior year and my senior year, water skiing in the river and didn't get to wrestle my senior year. Scott Mabry, he went on to take second in the state. I was his wrestling partner. There were times that I, I could beat Scott Mabry. But there was a difference between Scotty and me. When I went out to the mat, you know, I was out there. I, wanted, I mean, of course I wanted to win. It's not like I went out there going... I'm just going to tank here. I remember one time, one time our, my, my, our varsity coach, I was a freshman, I was, at, I was at 103, but I really only weighed about 98 still, and uh, the, our 119 pounder got the flu. And my coach, Coach Bittenbender, he just retired like literally last year, he's, he's like a hero in, up in that state up north. And, uh, and Coach Bittenbender comes over to me, he goes, Nielsen, I'm putting you in at 119. I'm like, what? He's like, yep. And then he goes, Nielsen, just try to stay off your back, okay? <laughs> I'm like, thanks for the vote of confidence, you know? But there was a difference between Scotty Mabry and me. When, when, when I went out onto the mat, you know, I, I shook the hand. and like, okay, I'm, I want to win. I want to wrestle. I want to do well. You know, but I'd be out there and, like, the guy would get a really good move and I'd be like, oh, that was a good one. <laughs> I'm, like, out there encouraging my opponent, and I just kind of went into it like it's a sport, and it's fun, and it's for game. Scotty Mabry, he went out to kill, to destroy, to pulverize, and it's what made him a great wrestler, and it made me a decent wrestler. And the truth of the matter is, in this rivalry that's going on in in our souls, we can't go out into this battle. Nonchalantly, and, and that's what happens sometimes. We're facing our own stuff, our situations, our temptation, and it's like, oh, it's fine. It's not that big of it, right. It's not. It's not that big of a deal. Saying that, doing that, thinking that, uh, it's not hurting anyone, right? Or, or, or we just we we start comparing. Well, at least I'm not doing right. And yet, Paul's describing this as an all-out war. And if we go into it with complacency or just comfort, you guys, we are going to get taken down, and we're going to get hurt, and we're going to get off course. That's why Paul describes it as a battle. In fact, he describes it again in another one of his letters to the Romans, here's what he says. He's, he says, and I know that n- nothing good lives in me. I mean, in, I mean, Paul was like this spiritual giant, and yet here he's like opening up his heart and giving us a window into the, the real war that he was facing as well. He says, nothing good lives in me. He says, in my sinful nature, that is. He's like, I want to do what is right, but I can't do it. Uh, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I, I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing it. It's the sin living in me that does it. And I've discovered this principle at life, he says. He says that when I want to do what is right, inevitably, I end up doing what is wrong. He says, I love God's law with all of my heart. But there's this other power within me that is at war with my mind. He says, this power, it makes me a slave to sin, the sin that is still within me. Oh, he says, what a miserable person I am. And everybody else listening to this would have been like, wait, you're the apostle Paul. Like you're writing all the Bible practically, it seems like, and you're starting churches and you're helping people come to faith in Jesus. And you're saying, I'm a miserable person. And then he cries out with this question, he says, who will free me? who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He's like, man, how am I going to get out of this? How am I going to ever win this war within? And then he says, but thanks be to God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, Paul, he, he admits the war, the rivalry, the battle that was going on in his own soul, in, a, in his life, and it's also going on in your life, in my life, in my heart, in my soul, in, in, in your mind, in your heart as well. And, and he says, we've got to let the Spirit lead our life. Stop taking charge or trying to manhandle our own sinful flesh and, and just beat it or outwill it let the spirit lead our lives because if we're letting the spirit lead then we won't be f- fulfilling the desires of our sinful nature but how do we know if the spirit's leading like isn't that kind of nebulous like is it isn't that just like revival and out there and like how do we know if the the spirit's really leading my life and, and paul thankfully he tells us and so Really what he says is you just got to take a little self-inventory, like take a look at your life. Let the Spirit lead your life. And if you're wondering if the Spirit's leading or if your sinful nature is leading, then take a look at your life. Take some inventory. And so he says in verses 19 to 20, look at it with me. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, he says, the results are very clear. He's like, observe the obvious. You want to know if you're following yourself? Here's what it looks like, and then he, he starts the list, sexual immorality and impurity and lustful pleasures and idolatry and sorcery and hostility and quarreling and jealousy and outbursts of anger and selfish ambition and dissension and division and envy and drunkenness and parties and other sins like these. Like, it's not even an exhaustive list. He's like, oh, and there's even more, right? So, so if you didn't see yours on the list, you know, it's, it's there, But Paul says, if you want to know if the Spirit's leading your life or if the sinful nature is leading your life, just take a look at your life. And, and so I can look at that and I can go, okay, well, any anytime that I'm filled with lustful pleasure, that's not the Spirit leading my life. Uh, anytime that um, I'm envying somebody else, that's not the Spirit leading my life. That's just my, my own sinful nature just wanting and wanting more. Uh, anytime that uh, there's selfish ambition like, I just want to get ahead. I want people to notice, like, that that's not the Spirit leading my life. All of these things. He, so he says, if you want to know if, what's leading, who's in charge, just look at the evidence. And some of the evidence, you know, it's not like way, it's not always right out there. It's, it's definitely, it's not out there on Sunday morning, right? I mean, it's underneath the surface. It's buried a little bit. We can get away with it for you know for a little while or with certain crowds but it's there and it's winning and 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 then paul goes on he says let me tell you again as i have before anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of god whoa now he gives like a strong strong warning and then like i'm looking at the list and you're looking at the list and i'm like oh shoot i'm dead meat now, what's important to understand is Paul's, he's not trying to undermine like, assurance of our salvation. In fact, Paul, other writers of Scripture elsewhere say, I want you to know Jesus and know the Father and, and, and have an assurance of faith. But what he is trying to do, he's trying to wipe out and eradicate complacency. Because the truth of the matter is, so many of us, we've gotten so comfortable with some of our habits and ideologies and things that are leading us astray. And, and Paul is warning them, and he's warning them with some of the strongest of words. But, but remember, that's the list of when, this, when our selfish nature is kind of taking the lead. And that's not the, the list that I want us to concentrate on. Because Paul says, take a look at your life, and if you want to know if the Spirit's leading, here's the things that we'll start to see. Here's the things that are showing that are going to show up when the Spirit is leading our lives. And so, in fact, he says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. And it's interesting, he doesn't give... Like, he says fruit, and fruit is singular, and yet he goes on with a list, which is to imply... That the fruit is, it's like there's different kinds, but it's all one and the same. It's not like, oh, I'm doing pretty good with this one, so I just need to work harder on this one. No, these are the things that when the Spirit is leading our life, all of these things are going to be growing and increasing and generating. And so he gives the list, and I want us to think about them. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And this means, I mean, this is spiritual, supernatural love. It's to love another with no strings attached. It means that we might gain nothing in return, that it's often undeserved love that we're giving to another person. That's the kind of love that the Spirit produces in our life when we're following God's Spirit. And joy, joy, it's a delight in God for who He is. True joy is never... Uh, Tim Keller helped us with some of these definitions, and he's, his, his mind is so brilliant, and yet his heart is so big and real. He says true joy is never based on our circumstances. That we can have joy in the midst of the deepest and hardest of trials. So many of you have been asking um, about how Carter's doing, and we have been in one of the trials of our life, and you know that. And so many of you have been praying, and I've been had to be away again for a couple weeks um, and we were down at Nationwide Children's Hospital. And uh, I, want to, I want you to know today I have some joy that, that we're, we're starting to see some hope again. And it's scary. Like, you ever been in one of those places where, like, okay, but we've been here before, and then, then the other shoe dropped, and then it went down, and so it's like you're afraid. You're afraid to hope. You're afraid to have joy. You're, you're afraid to step. Um, but that's where we're at. But, but, but we're seeing some some positive results from these treatments, and I just have to say, um, this church—you've—you've—you've you've, you've held us together. You've prayed for us. I know you've prayed for us, and not just not just like oh, see you at church on Sunday, hey, I'll pray for you, and then not doing it. I mean, people that are praying regularly, people that are fasting people that have just radically blown us away with generosity and giving and kindness. That's the fruit of God's Spirit at work in your life, and it's brought us joy. So thank you for continuing to love us and, and to pray for Carter and to pray for his full recovery. But when God's Spirit is leading our life, we'll have love, we'll have uh, joy, we'll have peace. (laughs) Don't we need that? A confidence and rest in God's control, not our own. Boy, for so long, I was trying to control it, and I'm still tempted to try to control it until you realize you're out of control. There's no point in trying because it's too big. But we can still have peace because we know that ultimately God's still in control. And patience, Paul says, the fruit of God's Spirit, when His Spirit is leading our lives, we'll have patience, the ability to face trouble without blowing up or striking out. See, this is like patience beyond the patience, the human patience that you and I can have like for a little while. I would say anybody can be patient for a little bit, (laughs) right? Uh, He says the fruit of God's Spirit is kindness. If we want to know if the Spirit's leading our life, it means that kindness is going to show up time and time again, a, a serving of others in a way that it can make us sometimes feel more vulnerable. It's a rejoicing in another person's joy. Instead of, instead of you know, when, when, when the self is leading, we envy the successes and the joys of other people, but when the Spirit's leading in our lives then we rejoice with those who are rejoicing. When we see somebody win, when we see somebody get a raise, when we see somebody get to go on vacation, we're like, that's awesome, I love it. It brings me joy to see them experiencing joy. And and kindness, serving others in that way. Goodness, the fruit of God's spirit, Paul says, is goodness. Integrity, being the same person in every situation, not phony, not hypocritical, And so if we find ourselves, even when nobody else knows uh, that they're being fooled, but when deep down inside we know that we're fooling them, that's not the Spirit leading our lives, that's ourself leading our life, and the war is being lost. he says faithfulness. Faithfulness is a fruit of God's Spirit. That's loyalty, being true to our word, Uh, a, a friend who's a good friend in good times and in bad times, Right? That's how we know that the Spirit's leading our life, guiding us, producing fruitfulness in our life and gentleness, the opposite of being self-absorbed or superior. I meet so many Christians who are such jerks. Sorry to say it out loud. I'm not talking about you. You know, it's one of the other campuses, you know. But man, where's the gentleness of Jesus? Like when you see Jesus... I mean, he spoke boldly and he was strong, but he was gentle. If we're being led by the Spirit, we're not going to be lashing out. We're not going to be coming down. It doesn't mean that we won't say some things, but but the way that we say them and the the heartbeat with which we convey them will mean something to the person because they see how deeply we care, how much we're hurting for what's happening in their life. And there's a gentleness about our life and self-control, Paul says. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control, the ability to pursue the important over the urgent rather than to be impulsive and uncontrolled. If we want to know uh, who's winning the battle, the rivalry that's so much bigger than what's on TV or the game, we only have to take time to look at our life. And healthy fruit, it comes from deep roots, right? Well, rooted in what? Rooted in Jesus. Rooted in the gospel. And I think that's the last thing that Paul talks about in the text. We've got to let the Spirit lead, take a look at our life, and then we just have to keep leaning into the gospel every day. The gospel is the good news that God did for us what we could never do for ourselves through his one and only son, Jesus. He came, he lived a perfect life, he died on a cross to pay for all all my sin, all your sins, all the wrong things that I think, that we think, that we do, that we say, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could experience ultimate freedom in the here and now and into eternity. And we have to keep leaning into the truth of the gospel because the the truth of the gospel says that in Christ, I'm righteous. I don't have to prove myself anymore. In Christ, I'm chosen like I was picked. I I wasn't the last in the line. I wasn't the overlooked. But in Christ, he picked you. You're chosen. You're special. In Christ, I'm loved and forgiven. Do you see what happens? Like When when this becomes the realization of our life, when we realize uh, that, that the roots of our faith are growing down into something that secures us and steadies us, now the fruit of God's spirit can start to just like, overflow and come out of our lives naturally not because we're trying harder or working at it more and in Christ I'm an overcomer that no matter what I'm facing no matter what you're facing we will overcome we will win the battle we will beat the rival right so we let the Spirit lead. We look at our life and we keep leaning into the gospel. And Paul finishes this passage that we want to concentrate on today with verses 24 and 25. He says, those who belong to Christ Jesus, listen to this, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross. I think of, <laughs> and crucified them there. You see guys, this is, this is not a nonchalant arm wrestling match. This is an all-out war and battle. This is not Todd Nielsen walking out onto the mat going, hey man, hope it goes well. This is Scotty Mabry coming out to the mat going, you're dead. You're dead. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to pulverize you. I'm going to pin you to the mat and you're not going to get back up. the amazing news of the gospel (laughs) see this is what happened to me a little 85 pounder, 8th grader uh, some of the matches I just walk out to the middle of of the ring and the referee in his black and white striped shirt he just grabbed my hand and he just put it up because there was nobody there to wrestle me there was no 85 pounders and here's the thing you guys, the enemy that is against you, he has already been defeated. Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of the Lords, the, the strongest, the one with all the fight and power. He came out to the ring and he fought in your place. So that when you're in Jesus, you just walk out to the middle of the ring and let the referee say, He wins, she wins because they're with Jesus. Let's let the Spirit lead our life, because that's the victorious life. It's a life that Jesus has already won for you and for me. We just have to follow his lead and quit trying to do it on our own. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your peace, your kindness, your gentleness, your self-control. Jesus, you are everything that we so often are not. And we won't get there trying harder. I pray that your spirit would invade our lives in a new and fresh way. That we would, when we fail, we would lean into your gospel every single day. God, that we would take self-inventory to know what it is that's really controlling and leading our lives and be honest about that. But come back to you time and time again. We want to make a mark in this world We want your kind of revival to come into our lives and into our community, but that will not happen if we're fighting the war alone. So would you lead us and guide us, empower us, and use us, change us, make us more like you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray together. Amen. Have a great rest of your week.